You're listening to Elegant Bloom Podcast. I'm your host, LaVonda Sweeney. As a melanated licensed professional counselor, my goal is to help bring awareness to mental health issues impacting the black and brown communities while dispelling the stigma of mental illness. Through my service as a therapist, as well as an adjunct psychology instructor, I have the privilege of being a small part of people's life journey in a way that I do not take for granted. It is with great passion that I bring Elegant Bloom podcast, which educates, empowers, and inspires individuals to take control of their lives Therefore, taking control of their destinies. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, everyone, for joining in um, to episode six of Elegant Bloom Podcast. I'm really, really excited about this episode. I have a new guest. Her name is America Allen, and I'm really excited about the information that we're going to share today and the um, information that America has for us. And so today's topic, we're going we're gonna to focus in on the mental health of our children and our adolescents. We have a lot, a lot of really hard things going on with the pandemic, with the quarantine, with schools being closed down, and the, the kids are not able to socialize. And, and, and what we've been seeing is an increase of issues. Uh, with our children. Our children are suffering and, and I wanted to make sure that, that we, we understood how to recognize signs and symptoms um, in, in our children and what, what we can do about it. So let's just jump right in. I am going to pass it over to my guest, Miss America Allen, who is going to tell us about, about yourself and what you do. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on today. Um, so I am a North Carolina-based licensed clinical social worker and owner of Sunu Healing Collectively. Um, and what my, a lot of the work that I do is centered around Black women, Black families, um, and really working through the healing journey. So what that looks like for the individual and their family, so that the individual is able to have better and healthier relationships with those around them. Absolutely. That's, that's beautiful. Can, can I just, just ask one, one question before we j- jump in, into the topic? What, what made you want to focus in on Black women? Ooh. Um, I saw that there was a need, so I come from a community mental health background, um, and for the most part, a lot of the providers that are serving Black women in our area were not Black, um, and so seeing a lot of the misdiagnosis of children, of women, um, and seeing how that translates through the services that they're provided, the interactions that they have with other people, I felt like it was very important for me to tap into that, if you will, um, and I noticed that people feel a lot more comfortable when their therapist or service provider looks like them, sounds like them, um, and is able to connect with them. And it really allows a space for healing to actually take place. That was really important to me. And that's beautiful. And I think um, it's obviously, it's always been a very, very important thing. And even more right now, we we, we need that as black women um, to have someone that we can relate to that looks like us, um, that we feel safe around and so and so that that's um, i love to hear to hear things like that and that's that's so that's just segue right right into that as, as far as feeling safe let's talk about um how 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 this how everything that's going on the racial injustices you know the george floyd the brianna taylor the quarantine let's let's talk let's talk about how how that's impacting our children Whew. well i would say that in the same way we are noticing that adults are struggling I think it's really important that we take a step back and understand that kids are too. Um, A lot of times, you know, we think that kids only have to worry about school and getting things done and like that's all they worry about. 
And it's really important to understand that kids know what's going on, sometimes more often than adults do. Um, and so really understanding that this is a time of confusion, of angst for kids in the same way it is for adults. And then throw, throw in um, virtual learning and what that looks like and the stress there is just really intensified at this time. Absolutely. I, I think I think one of the um, and I, I'm not I'm not, I don't think it's intentional on, on, on most of our parts. I think that we we tend to forget um, that that our, that our children are are experiencing the same things that, that we do. We, we feel like, oh, we've got to, you know, rearrange for school. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We've got to go to work. Um, and, and we forget that in the meantime, our children are seeing and feeling all of the pressures um, as, as well. And so I'll, I'll share this really quickly um, for my, to my listeners as well. I, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but I have, a, I have two daughters. They're 13 and 14. They'll be 14 and 15 soon. And within the last, I'd say, probably more, most significantly in the last maybe two or three weeks, but over time in the last few months, I have noticed a significant increase in behaviors that seem out of character. Um, and I, so, and, and, and I'm gonna tell you what, what that looked like, what that looks like for, for my children. And, and then we'll talk about some, some other signs and symptoms. And so what, what, I, what I noticed in my oldest daughter who, who will be 15 in probably two months, two months, not probably, two months, um, she is more jumpy. Um, everything scares her. And and it and it's not it doesn't have to be scary noise. Um, I think last week she she opened up the the freezer, and the ice maker made a noise, and she she jumped, she flinched, and I was and I and had I just spoken with her about about that, um, you know about the anxiety and things like that. And so though, that's an example of of some of the things that some of the, her anxiety how it manifests, literally four or five six times a day at least. She's being startled by a noise or me talking. I may walk in the room and say something to her and then she's jumping, mama, you scared me. You know, and so those are some of the things that I start noticing in her. My youngest daughter who will be 14 in December as well, she began to, she's began to exhibit serious anger um, and agitation and frustration um, unexplained crying, um, think things like that. And the, so this last weekend was a rough weekend for her. And, and I, and I took the time, you know, again, thankfully, because I'm a therapist, I can recognize, um, what, what was happening. And so I'm, I was able to, in, I'm able to intervene very quickly, um, with them and talk to them about it. But, you know, and so I, I wanted to take this opportunity to really talk about what other signs and symptoms can our listeners, um, um, look out for when, when they have even little children. I, I have teenagers. And so, you know, we can talk about the, you know, signs and symptoms of anxiety and depression and stress as well in, in little children and as in adolescents. I just want to say that what we know, even in terms of research, is that <clears throat> mental health problems are going to impact at least one in six children, especially as we're experiencing collective trauma. So when I talk to parents and adults, I try to explain it as understand the fact that right now, this is traumatic. This is a traumatic experience for everybody. Um, and not only is it traumatic in terms of the pandemic, but it's also traumatic in terms of racial trauma 
and the images that we're continuously being bombarded with. Um, and so really understanding that kids are going to have questions. They're going to have, there's going to be a lot of confusion, a lot of anxiety surrounding everything that's going on. Um, and as adults, we have a difficult time processing these things. So imagine how that's going to be for the babies. Um, and so I think you mentioned anxiety. So what I heard in that was both of your daughters are showing symptoms of anxiety. Because a lot of times when we think about anger, it's like, oh, she's angry or oh, this and oh, they're irritable. And it's like, well, sometimes that's how certain people's anxiety manifests, right? So anxiety, um, depression, issues around sleep, uh, issues around eating, communication style might change. Um, there might even be a change in um, their presentation overall. So like hygiene, is hygiene a concern? Um, cleanliness in the area, in, the, in their environment, has that changed? Like really paying attention to those little changes because what we know is behavior is a form of communication. Yeah. And so kids are always communicating with us. We just have to pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. So, so what, what advice would you give a parent who obviously d doesn't have a clinical ba background um, and who's, who's just as frustrated as everyone else and they have a child, whether it's a, you know, eight, nine, 10 year old, or maybe even a teenager who begins to kind of lash out um, in that anger or, 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 you know, in that frustration or those kind of out of character, um, those uncharacteristic behaviors. What, what advice would you give to, to those parents? advice to them would be understanding that this is a difficult time. And so one of the strongest factors that we know in terms of protecting a child from or building their resilience in terms of the trauma that everybody is experiencing is to be able to have a healthy relationship with at least one supportive caregiver. So my advice is really letting your child know that, hey, this is a difficult time. I know you're struggling. You probably see I'm struggling too. And I just want to remind you that that's normal because none of this is normal. And checking in with your child, what is it that you need from me? How are you feeling? Creating a space so that your child can come to you and share. Because I think that's, sometimes that's the hardest part, right? Is right. a child like, no, like, I don't know if I need to talk to you. I know something doesn't quite feel right, but you haven't said anything. So I'm not really sure if it's a safe space for me to share. So just really reminding the child that, hey, I'm here. Let's talk. We're all in this together. Absolutely. And I, I think I 100% agree. I think that will give the children a, a, that will create a safe space um, and normalize the feelings. And so when, when my daughter had a, had a rough weekend last week, that's exactly what I did. First, what, I, what I didn't do was um, shame her and judge her. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't angry with her because she was angry. Even, even though the behavior that led up to the emotional breakdown for her um, was inappropriate behavior, I didn't even address that behavior, America. I didn't even address that behavior. She was, she was trying to have a conversation with me in, in the other room and I said, I need you to come in here. Come talk to me. Come talk to me. And I had her sit down on the bed and all she needed for me to do was listen to her. And all I, I validated her and I said, this is a hard time. This is difficult. We are all struggling. I get it. I know you want to go to school. My 13-year-old my is a social person. She, she, she needs, um, she thrives. 
and social um, environment. She, she loves to touch and she just likes to be close to people. And so being in a virtual, being in virtual school for her is detrimental. It's detrimental. And, and I didn't realize how detrimental it would be until now. And so I validated all of that for her. And it gave her an opportunity and a safe space to let it go. And, you, you know, as a, as, a, as a mother, obviously, it was heartbreaking for me to see my child crying. But literally what I did was gave her that physical touch. I hugged her. I held her head. I rubbed her back. And I just let her cry. I just let her cry. I just let her get it out. Is for as long as she needed to do, to do. And then on what I, I asked her the question that you said, I said, what do you need from me? What is it that you need? And she said, sometimes I just need to be by myself. And I said, perfect. And so we were able to work it out and, and come up with a plan of how she could, she could do that. And so, um, so I think, I think in most households, that would be a really, really good way to create that safe space um, for, for our children. Something, something you said, America, that I, that I wanted you to talk a little bit more about, the collective trauma. You, you mentioned collective trauma. If, if you don't mind, could you, could you explain that a little bit more for our listeners? Absolutely. So this collective trauma is the fact that we are all collectively, at the same time, experiencing multiple traumatic events. Okay. And so our response to that is we are responding to all of this all of this traumatic events. So that's what collective trauma is. Okay. So these experiences um, are gonna lead to the psychological, physiological, emotional, social, spiritual changes that everybody is experiencing right now. Absolutely. Thank you. I, 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 wanted, I, I wanted to make sure that that was clear because tra trauma, I think sometimes when we think of the word trauma, we usually think of like bad, big accidents or, you know, you know, sexual abuse. We, we, we think we, we don't, we always think kind of on the big scale. We really sometimes don't understand that things like this are actually very traumatic, you know, under, I, I believe that there, especially right now with all the racial injustices and, and, and things that are going on, um, I've seen clinically, and I'm sh I know for a fact that you have too, an increase of A, people wanting to come, to come in therapy, which is great, um, but, but also they're, they're coming in for anxiety, depression. You know, we, there, this is a time where, where, where black and brown people may not feel safe and our children feel it the same way. I, I have noticed that my that my children um, have begun to pull away from non people of color, and and I just I obviously I I just kind of let them have that um, because it, that's what makes them feel the, feel the safest. And so um, it's it's you're right. It, this is a very difficult time. This is a very strange time. Um, what can we do as parents, as caregivers, as guardians, as aunts and uncles? Um, what can we do if we recognize that our child or our teen um, is, is struggling and ha having a difficult time? Can I go back to what you said about trauma first? Yes, yes. Um, yes. I think it's really important, and you made a, an amazing point. Uh, when we think about trauma, we typically think about what's usually classified as the big T trauma. So it's usually veterans coming back from war, sexual assault, uh, things of that sort. But we forget that trauma really is about perception. So trauma is any negative event, any event that changes you. Trauma changes you. Right. Uh, and I think that's really important. So trauma has a spectrum. 
right? And the reality is n- there isn't one that's greater than the other. Trauma is trauma. Um, and so we have experienced trauma because of the grief, because of the changes, because of a lot of us feeling out of control, seeing the death, multiple deaths of black and brown people throughout the year, right? Like dealing with all of those things, that is traumatic. Um, and I just think that's really important for people to really understand. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but you said, what can people do for their kids when they start to see mm-hmm. the changes? Um, so I think exactly what you did is perfect, right? So giving your child a chance to talk about the feelings and being okay with the fact that as a caregiver, you may not have the answers, uh-huh. right? So your child, it might be difficult to have these conversations because a lot of the times caregivers are thinking, well, what do I say? I don't have the answers. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Nobody really has the answers because again this is the first time we're experiencing this to this scale anyway and so making the space for them to be able to talk about their feelings and helping them manage their feelings so in the same way you checked in and asked your daughter what is it that you need from me okay I need time to myself and then creating a space to allow for that to happen so helping a child tap into their coping skills Mm -hmm. so if you're angry what can I do how can we get that energy out If you want to cry, do you need to cry by yourself or do you want to cry with me? Getting them a journal, creating some sort of space so that they can openly express their emotions is huge. Also, caregivers are kids' first role model, Mm -hmm. right? So kids are going to respond to stress the way they see their caregiver respond. And I think it's really important that as caregivers, I'm not saying act like nothing's wrong, but also make sure that when you are experiencing big emotions as a caregiver, that you're able to use that as a teaching and learning opportunity Mm -hmm. for your child, because they are inevitably going to do what they see their caregivers do. Absolutely. And I'm actually really glad that you brought that you brought that up because, um, because we, we tend to shield our emotions and feelings and things like that from, from our children. Um, We create, we create a space where they don't know how to, to express themselves. And so I'm so glad that you said that, that so it's okay for you to cry in front of your children. It's okay for you to cry with your children. So many times we feel like we have to be strong for our, for our children. And, and sometimes our children don't need us to be strong. They need us to be vulnerable. They need us to get down with them and lay with them and cry with them and go through that with them, even if it makes us uncomfortable. And if, and if I'm honest, I, I, it, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. You, you know what makes me uncomfortable? Screaming and hollering and, 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 and dealing with the chaos, dealing with that drama, that, that makes me uncomfortable. But to, lay, to let my child lay on my chest, as, you know, she's almost as tall as me, to let her lay on my chest and cry on my shirt, just get it as wet as she needed to do. For me, that, that meant more for, for her than anything else I could have said to her in any other um, um, moment. And, and I, I saw the relief in her face um, when, I, when I told her that I, I get it. I get it. This is ugly. This is hard, but, but we gonna get through this. It's gonna be okay. You know, and, and, and something you said a minute ago that I also wanted to talk about was um, we, don't have to, we don't have to always have the answers. We, we don't. And that's okay to look at your child and say, babe, I don't know, but we're gonna walk it out together. And I think that creates, again, a place of security 
for, for the children. And so this, I, I really, really, really wanted to kind of pause there and just, just harp, harp on that. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you actually, that you brought that up. And doing that alleviates stress for the child. Absolutely. Because I think a lot of times we forget what it was like to be teenagers and experiencing different changes and ourselves trying to figure out how to navigate, how to deal with conflict, wanting to have the right thing to say, wanting to do the right thing. So imagine kids are going through that right now too, of wanting to make sure they're doing the right thing and make sure they're engaging the right way and reminding them that like, I don't really know what that is either. Yes. But we're here together. We're going to figure that out together. And letting them know that's not their burden to bear. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be and because kids, kids will bear it. My 15-year-old, my she, she, she tries her best to bear the things, you know. She, she'll make decisions based on the fact that she doesn't want someone else to be, you know, burdened. And I have to say, baby, no, no, that's, that's for me. <laughs> Let me let, let me let me worry worry about that. And so you're you're right. Kids kids do not they should not be be um, bearing bearing the burden. Um, good that that's good. So what when when do you think it would be an appropriate time to consider therapy for a child or adolescent? I think it's appropriate it's appropriate to seek out therapy. Honestly regardless of where your child is. And so I think, and I say that because a lot of times when we think about therapy, we think, okay, I have to be, or my child has to be in crisis in order to seek out therapy. And I think that therapy is going to be beneficial for any and everybody, especially right now. Absolutely. Because the reality is whether the child is experiencing these intense emotions or whether they're persistent, they're still there. Absolutely. And so having an unbiased third party that they can have build a rapport with, they can create a sense of safety with, in addition to their caregivers, of course, mm -hmm. but having that so that they're able to talk out and process emotions, I think is key. Um, but I would say if, you know, the warning sign, so to speak, would be if the emotions or behaviors are so intense and persistent and that your child is not able to respond to like your usual interventions or things that you try at home, okay. then it may be a good time. Yeah, that, that's a good point. So, so, so to kind of put it in, into, into perspective, I know we can't always quantify or qualify certain things, but so, so if, if you see an increase of persistent behavior, let's say, you know, they're having emotional outbursts two or three times a week, would, would, would you consider that persistent? Absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. Just, just kind of wanted to kind of give, give a, give a, a quantification a, a little bit um, for, for clarification. Um, Okay, I, I, I was writing some stuff down. I, I wrote down, I'm struggling too. Um, and it was based on something that you said before, but I actually think, think that we, we've already um, touched on that is being, being able to be um, open with your children and, and, and admitting that, that you're struggling too. I think it's important to, to do that. So we don't, we don't have to harp on that. Um, were, were, there, were there any other points that you wanted to share, Amir? I think it's really important during this time, whether you're noticing changes in your child's behavior or not, to still create the space to have the conversations. Okay. A lot of times, um, the kids who are the high performers, so to speak, mm -hmm. are the ones that are not experiencing the externalized behaviors, often get overlooked. 
So I've heard caregivers say, well, my child is fine because they're still performing well in virtual school and there hasn't been any emotional outbursts and things are just rolling the way they were before. Great. And at the same time, I think it's still really important to have conversations with even with all children, right? Because just because a child is still performing at the same level they were before through virtual school and because you haven't seen any of the externalized behaviors doesn't mean that they don't need a space to have difficult conversations. It doesn't mean that they don't need the space to say or to hear that I'm here with you. What do you need? I think that's really important. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for for, for adding that in. That is absolutely important because we, again, we have to understand the different personalities of of children. There are going to be children who internalize and we won't see, quote unquote, the, the, the issues, but they'll feel it. Um, they may feel it when they lay down at night, you know, and, and have sleep issues and, and things like that. So that is a that is a really good point. We we do tend to hold our um, hero children, our overachiever children, um, to a higher standard and say, oh, they got it. They they're okay. I don't have to worry about that kid. Um, and all the while, that kid is is getting lost and and shrinking further and further in, in, inside inside themselves. So that's a really 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 great great point. America, I, I have really, really enjoyed this. Before, before we end, um, were there any other things that you felt like were imperative or important to share um, with, with the list? I think it's also really important for caregivers to develop some sort of action plan around coping skills for their kids. Um, and not just with the pandemic, but honestly in general, um, so that they are able to have a toolkit of certain things that they can tap into and use in periods of high stress, especially if the caregiver may not be available in that moment to provide support. So the child knows, okay, I have this, for some of my kids, I've done like a calm corner, right? Or like a calm box. And so, okay, I'm stressed. I know that I can go to my calm box and I can pull out my lavender oil or I can pull out my stress ball or I have these coping cards that provide me with affirmations, like just something so that kids have multiple things to pull from and knowing that they might not always work right and it might be a little bit of a trial and error to see what's helpful for the child um, but really creating a space so that they are able to self-soothe as well absolutely that's that's a wonderful point and that actually just just reminded me i I need to go on amazon um my 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 third year old she's she called it something else she called it a uh, um, a stress widget a widget a something something she called it and I have no idea what it is, um, but she asks for it. And because she asks for it, it's because she needs it. And so now my job is to make sure that she has it because she's asked for it. Because her anxiety also comes out in her fidgetiness. And so she, she needs something to hold on to, um, to so that she can, she can put that energy so, somewhere else. And so you just reminded me that I, I got to go to Amazon and find, and find what she needs. <laughs> because she's asked me for it. Um, well, listen, America, I really, really, really appreciate um, you coming on tonight. Um, it has been a wonderful, enlightening conversation. Before we go, is there any way um, you would like for the listeners to contact you, um, look you up on Facebook, Instagram, your website, any, anything like that? Um, on Instagram, my Instagram handle is at Sunu Healing Collectively. Um, and then email is info at sunuhealing.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, America. It has been a pleasure. Thank you.